Welcome back to Mages and Murder Dads, the best show dedicated to the Baldur's Gate franchise and beyond. I'm Cameron, and I play Ticklevar, the Sorcerer. And I am Danny, and I play Balthazar, the Barbarian. This is episode 38, and we are beginning Throne of Ball. This is the start. This is the start of the Throne of Ball. This is the final, as of yet, final installment of the Baldur's Gate series. We took a little bit of a break. First break, I think, right? I think so. It's the first. Uh, it's the first time we've um, we haven't issued any show uh, on that Thursday, the every other Thursday. There have been two shows where we did not talk about the content. We had like minisodes in between mm-hmm. Baldur's Gate One and Dra- Siege of Dragonspear, and in between Siege of Dragonspear and Baldur's Gate Two. Um, but there was also one bonus episode that was not on a regular Thursday, wherein Balthazar went back to kill Tezok. Mm, and then killed Tezok again. Yeah, that also happened a, se- a second time in, in Baldur's Gate uh, 2. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we appreciate, you, you know, the, the strong uh, fan commitment to sticking with us through our break. This will be coming out on American Thanksgiving, Ooh, which is quite this- odd. I, sh- I suppose so. It just shows our commitment to the brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, uh, please listen to this at Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Also, check out our secondary show, uh, Mages and Murder Dads, where we uh, talk about, of course, wizardry and foul hunting. Now, well, that's this show. Oh, that's right. You should like this. <laughs> hit that hit that damn like button right there right there in front of you um you should subscribe as well if you haven't subscribed already you can follow us on twitter on facebook and uh you can come hang out in our discord we have a really lively discord chat um i'm running D fifth edition again there's been a little bit of conversation about that uh, all kinds of systems all kinds of things we've been playing a lot of destiny 2 you can come hang out with us and play destiny 2 we talk about more systems than any one person could possibly run. There's a hundred percent actual, factual, true facts. Mm-hmm. And you can always support us on Patreon. Um, yeah, we release a, a extra special podcast over there on that. You can check that out. The last episode had a probably thirty minute run talking about David Cage, the David Cage game, and being pretty critical of that if you love david cage tune in if you hate david cage also tune in if you're utterly ambivalent i don't think that you would be able to maintain that ambivalence after our 30 minute rant Mm -hmm. when one is presented with a david cage you have to take sides yeah you know they're in the same way there's no atheist in a foxhole (laughs) there's no ambivalent david (laughs) cage or human with a stance toward david cage Mm -hmm. uh, once you encounter david cage in a foxhole 
in a foxhole, dude. David Cage uh, is a World War One simulationist in his free time. That's why it takes Quantic Dream such a long time to make games. It's a war of attrition. It really is. Uh, but anyway, you can go over there. There's a monthly newsletter that comes out, an additional podcast, all kinds of good stuff. If you like listening to this show and you just want, you know, one more hour of this in your life every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we got to jump into it because we 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 knock out a chapter here. We we do. So there's only um, there's three chapters, four chapters. Might in, be four. Might be four chapters in uh, Throne of Ball. This this expansion, kind of the last Baldur's Gate game. So uh, how's it start? How's it start, Danny? How do we get to this forest with forest trees talking to us? That's a great question. So at the end of Baldur's <laughs> Gate 1, or well, all the way back at the end of Baldur's Gate 1, forget about that. At the end of Baldur's Gate 2, the game we just finished, uh, we're in Soldan Esselar, if you remember. We kill Irenicus. We are brought back to the you know the material plane, back to our bodies. And the, the queen is there, whose name I can't quite remember uh, at this very moment. She's the queen of Soldan Esselar, this elven queen. And she says, golly gosh, we are so thankful for you. Um, to be here, uh, but there's, and, and now we're in Throne of Ball, but there's rumblings of stuff happening, and you should go to see what your destiny is as a ball spawn. You should go to the forest spirits, uh, kind mm. of ancestors. It's, uh, it's kind of some vague language, and I also don't really understand how it like fits into Forgotten Realms lore, you mm-hmm. know, like what we know about this world, but whatever. I'll bracket all of that to say that uh, that's how we get there. She sends us there. Yeah, you go talk to the trees, and they say a bunch of cryptic stuff in like a in a similar vein as like Irenicus circa Siege of Dragon Spear, but less mm-hmm. less less intimidating, less uh, mean mugging, right? Less recognizable voice actor for sure, certainly. And I'm rolling around these trees, and just a creepy like goth lady shows up. Yeah, this this game like really there's some shortcutting. So so the production history, as far as I understand it, when it comes to Throne of Ball, is that the plot of Throne of Ball was meant to be Baldur's Gate three, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, and this is something I guess I'll go read up on before we kind of progress through these episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to know too much because it's been a long time since I played through Throne of Ball, and this is um, my first time. Exactly. So, so we didn't want to step on it too much, but yeah, the idea is like this was meant to be kind of the uh, the content that we see in this expansion was meant to maybe spread out over a lot longer time with more stuff in the middle of it and mm. maybe with more plot to it. So in this one, yeah, like we we talked to some some forest spirits, these kind of elven uh, kind of half deity spirits, and then like a woman shows up and she yeah. says she says. Uh, uh, what is her name? Ilicera. Ilicera. And she's just going to do a murder upon you. I, too, am a ball spawn, she says, and it is you that will be murdered by me. Yeah. So, like, as we have known already since Baldur's Gate 1, right, the way that a ball spawn becomes more powerful is by killing other ball spawn, which then concentrates the energy into the, the one who did the killing. It's just Highlander. It is Highlander rules. Although, do you th- is it? Do you have to be the one that does the killing? Because Saravok's whole whole spiel was uh, was I'm going to get more powerful by just murder happening. 
Yeah, there's there's a little bit of like uh, play back and forth. Like it seems like sometimes it's happening Highlander style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, but yeah, you're right. Servok's plan was a little bit different. It was just I will cause a lot of murder to happen, mm-hmm. irrespective of lineage, and then that will help him like jump to godhood. Sure, and I mean, there was the implication that uh, when he caused that murder, a bunch of ball spawn could die, and it's like, when a ball spawn dies, their energy might get, like, disseminated equally among the remaining ball spawn. That's also a way I've interpreted it. Yeah, that that is my impression. Mm-hmm. But he was doing, like, also additional murder, too, to make sure. that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't claim to have any, like, super knowledge of this. I, you know have not looked it up beyond playing the game. And the game's just kind of like, I wouldn't say vague about it, but is often contradictory about it. So. Yeah, so uh, Illicera gets murdered by Balthazar. Oh, yeah, she, <laughs> my, my party of adventurers just destroys her. She is, which, she is, which what's, what's your party at this point? The same as it was at the end of BG2? No. No. Um, or, or, or right now it is. Yeah, yeah, uh, At this very moment. I, I'll pull up to make sure I have uh, my right party information. But mm-hmm. at this very moment, yes, the party is the same. Okay. All right. Well, so after we do this with Illicera, we get... We get, do we have to, like... I think we initiate a conversation with, like, one more tree spirit, and then we just get zapped, right? We get zapped back to hell. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess it's something that, that, like, has to do with killing Illicera, maybe? I don't know. It Once again, kind of mm-hmm. vague. Uh, <laughs> okay. Hard, hard to know. There's a lot of fast and loose playing that, that happens here uh, mm-hmm. in Throne of Ball, I think. But, yeah, so we are back, like, in the zone. Mm-hmm. You know, sorry, my, my thing was real loud. But, but, yeah, so we're just, like, back here, and we are... Uh, it's like what's really weird to me about this is it's like kind of designed to be the same thing as what we saw at the end of Baldur's Gate 2, right? When mm-hmm. we were fighting Irenicus, but it's actually kind of redesigned. Like if you look at the middle of the area, like the uh, like where the big statues that were holding things up and all that, it's not exactly the same. It's been redrawn. Yeah, it's uh, it's meant to evoke. You're supposed to uh, recognize this as the same place more or less, right? Mm-hmm. Um. I, I I totally get it. Um, and anyway, we get here and we meet a Solar. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, yeah. So so you know, there's like planetars and uh, you know they're the good versions of a demon. Yeah, uh, they're kind of they're angel esque. Yeah, they are. I, I think there was probably some satanic panic that that might have prevented Dungeons and Dragons from implementing just the word angel. But yeah, they are angels. They are blue-skinned, big feather-winged angels. And if I recall, there might be a difference between planetars and solars with respect to, like, one might be lawful, one might be good. I can't remember, though. Yeah, I feel like there's a very similar, uh, you know, demon, devil. Exactly. And then, like, you know, gradations within that uh, Mm -hmm. thing going on. Yeah. So the solar basically lets us know, hey, um, I'm here to guide you. Uh, you've got to like figure out some stuff about who you are before you can continue. Uh, you can't direct this conversation any other way. No, this is the most railroading. <laughs> like this is a DM saying, "All right, um, I've got a sheet of paper and I'm going to read it, mm-hmm. and uh, you just you tell me what your character thinks about all this." Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I've been guilty of that, but yeah, but I, I, I can see what's happening. But yeah, and and it just says like, look, I, I think I have a quote written down here. Oh no, I, I, I don't. But basically, <laughs> it's like, you remember all that Alondo stuff from way back in the day, and you're like, yeah, I remember all that Alondo stuff. And it's like, well, now it's the time. It's the the time of the murder and whatnot. You thought Baldur's Gate One was the Alondo prophecy. No, no, no. You thought Baldur's Gate 2 was the Alondo prophecy. No, 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 no. Mm. The throne of Baal is the Alondo prophecy. Where all We're the here. ball spawn come together. and Congratulations. And, yeah, you get a sash. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the really cool thing about uh, being part of the prophecy. So who who shows up? Uh, just here in general? Yeah, after the Solar Saravok. like railroads you, Saravok pops Saravok, up. A person easy. I have killed <laughs> twice so at this point. So many times. Three so times, times if you count the time that I killed him when I went back in time to kill Tazok and him. I'm sure there was like a dream where we've killed him one time. Right? Yeah, yeah. Where we like do the Slayer or something and kill uh, Seraphok. Mm-hmm. He's he's damned down here again, but this time he's got a request, which I think is very cool. I'm very curious okay. about what you did about Seravok's request. It's interesting. Yeah, keep going. So he says, listen, I'm just a, I, you know, I... Well, first he's like, mea culpa mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for, for killing all those people and trying to take over the Sword Coast and doing all that, like, 11th dimension chess uh, to control the iron trade. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know what? When you're alive and you got the spirit of ball in you, you just start doing weird stuff. You start mm-hmm. going power hungry. If you and got the spirit in ball in you, you let it out. You let it out. You got to <laughs> let it out. You got to let people know. They got to know to be afraid of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he says, listen, I'm sorry I did that. Might be. Um, but now that I'm dead, I no longer have the desire to conquer the whole wide world. I just want to be alive again. <laughs> like, it sucks being dead. So why don't you, Grian's Ward, Balthazar, Ticklevar, why don't you give me a tiny, little bitty fraction of your immortal soul? So small. So small. Little bitty. Little bitty soul. Because my soul was absorbed into, you know, the giant ball apparatus thing that we know about. Mm-hmm. He says, if you do that, I'll get to come back to life. I'll get my life back, and I won't be a megalomaniac anymore. And more to the point, if you do that, I can get you out of here. Yeah. Does he say that? <laughs> yeah. No, literally, because he's like, I know the way out. Oh, that's And right, if you do right. not do this shit, I am not going to tell you the way out. And I and and so Balthazar said to that, I have no, look. If I could kill you right now, I would. All right, spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, I will find my own way out. And Balthazar went around and could not find the way out. <laughs> so so you go back and you ended up giving him a little soul. Chunk. I had to. There was no other way forward. If there was, I missed it. Oh, that's interesting. Well, I just immediately did it. I was like, because, you know, Ticklevar is just a... Uh, d- tell me what to do, buddy. Just a pure spineless worm. <laughs> and so this, this like, objectively evil, right? Like, like empirical data has proven Saravok is evil. We could do sociology on it. It's that that clear. And uh, so Saravok, Ticklevar is like, okay, yeah, that sounds all right, buddy. Uh, here's a little soul, soul piece. And it mm-hmm. flies out of him, and Saravok comes to life again, and Ticklevar says, please join my party. Mm. So I'm rolling around with Saravok now. 
That's the first of many new additions. Yeah, he. Um, I gave him a piece of my soul, and then he was like, "Well, what do I do now?" And I said, "You can fuck off. That's what you can do, buddy." <laughs> I bet grandma's like getting real upset at the at Thanksgiving dinner right now. I know. I'm so sorry, Thanksgiving dinner, but this is like this conveys my. Uh, distaste at like making this the hoop I have to jump through, right? Mm-hmm. Making me give anything to one of the biggest villains in this series in order to get for go forward. Not a fan. Do you know what she's shocked about though? What's that? It's that she likes Saravok. Oh. She's been she's been listening since episode one. Love Saravok. This garbage. I've been waiting for Saravok to be in the party for forever. Exactly. Can't mm-hmm. believe how how churlish you're being. But yeah, so I let him in, and the, we meet a dude named Sespinar. He's like a little imp. Yeah. He talks funny. Like he's got mm-hmm. a funny little voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's a little bit silly. He he's just like an imp who wants to help out. He's a you know he's balls uh, like a little servant guy. Truly the claptrap of Throne of Ball. <laughs> he he is the clap. But like if you if we could just replace claptrap with Sespinar, <laughs> I would like the Borderlands games. <laughs> like, I you would, would you would go to the damage. Steam and you would get the compilation. Yeah, yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Sadly, we have not done that. But anyway, so Sespinar like does interesting things for us. He can he basically takes the place of Cromwell. Yeah. If you remember from Baldur's Gate two, Cromwell was the dwarf in Afkatla that we could go to and then like, you know, craft interesting items like all those ones you have that I don't. Whatever those are called. Have you ever crafted an item? Uh, I think so. I think I've got like a crafted item. I have the Flail of Ages, but that didn't require Cromwell. Oh, I've mm-hmm. crafted multiple dragon scale armors. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I've got some of that. I have some elven armor or whatever it's called that like is good chain armor, but it also allows you to spell cast. Mm. I got some of that from Sespinar, so he kind of does that magically, and there's like a, a fun little narrative thing where he's talking about like going through your bags, and he's like, oh, what is this? Shiny. And you're just what like, can you not just tell me everything you can make? And he's like, nope, don't have a list, Tandy. <laughs> yep, can't. That's not, we didn't program it like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so he does that, and then you have to do some like hell challenges. Like it's like 1995, and we got to like, Go through the aggro crag. Yes. Uh, it's, it's awful. And th- but there's only one door open. Right now, but over the course of throwing a ball, you know, we have to do these, like, different challenges. No, and this I, one was kind of tough, to be honest. I don't... What, what, what was this one? Tell me about this one. Uh, there was a fellow, and he talked about how he murdered a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of people appeared. And you had to fight mm-hmm. them. That is literally what the challenge was. It was like a serial killer. Yeah, so so it's not just some dude, it's a ball spawn. Mm-hmm. So you're getting like the narrative of a different ball spawn who like lived life and died eventually, right? Because he killed a bunch of people and he uh, the town found out he was killing these people, but he this narrative he's giving you is like, well, I was just doing it because like I'm the ball, you know, I'm a ball spawn. That's what's in my heart is murder. Mm-hmm. And it makes me feel good. Yeah. And so we're supposed to say, well, if murder makes you feel good, you know, can we really hate murder and thus this is the first combat encounter of throne of ball really other than illusara right yeah yeah the first real one it's pretty hard because it's just continually spawning in enemies right yeah and i think it's kind of a good indication of like what 
encounters are going to be like moving forward because throne of ball yes. definitely takes a stronger tack in the direction of siege of dragon spear i'm not going to go over like encounter design the same way we went in the first episode of the siege of dragon spear episode uh um, go listen to that if you go listen already. go listen to that that should be a, a, like episode 12 i think um but yeah it is a different experience it is more tightly designed it is intended to be more challenging and less simulationist etc and i feel like this kind of encounter clued me in that that's what they were going for yeah yeah it's much more about like uh getting by an individual fight by the skin of your teeth it seems even with a full party Mm -hmm. and more than that this game in, in the stuff that we saw in this chapter at least like tends to lean pretty hard on really large spawns if not infinite spawns um mm. so like there there will be you know 15 enemies on screen at one time all attacking you or in some stage of of fighting against you and i i found that like really grindy and not super rewarding mm-hmm and in retrospect, it actually makes me really appreciate these bigger fights that took place in Siege of Dragonspear because they at least, like, while, you know, I'm on record about how I felt about that and the more set PC kind of stuff, um, but at least it, it, that feels refined. Like, Siege of Dragonspear's uh, more designed fights feel like a very much refined version of the, the Throne of Ball. Uh, I think it's because they included things that would eventually in 4th edition be called minions and 13th age they're called mooks, like throwaway enemies that gave you a yeah. sense of scale, right? But that that were not giant bags of hit points. Yeah. Mhm. Mm uh, this kind of does that. Later on in this episode, you know, we fight some fire giants with some like mages and some uh like fighters that get one-shotted. So there's a little bit of that in this too, but it also mm -hmm. just feels like like, it's 15 enemies in, in Throne of Ball, and they're just going to fight you. Mm. You know what I mean? They might be of different types, but they're not going to... And, and maybe this is, a, you know, an Infinity Engine issue more than it is a design issue of, like, it really doesn't seem like the enemy AI scripts can do much more than whatever the thing they are supposed to do, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, like, hit you if they're a warrior, shoot you if they're an archer, you, you know, cast spells at you if they're a mage. So there doesn't seem to be a lot of tactic switching that happens. Yeah, no, I, I, I gotcha. But so you do the challenge and you got to do the challenge. But after you do the challenge, you can like teleport out of here. Mm hmm. And you get teleported to a town. What's the name of this town? Well, before that, you want me to tell you my new party? Oh, yeah. Oh, so how does how does party work in the in the hell world? Because I'm, Balthazar doesn't care about this stuff. So in hell world, you can just go up to this gate and click on it. And it's like, who who you want to teleport here? And, and that's it. Who are that's the all. options? Everybody. It's every everyone that you have ever recruited or was possibly recruitable in Baldur's Gate 2. Could you even summon someone that you never even met? Yes. Dang. Yes, yes you can. Because uh, all the NPCs are in there. I tried to summon Yoshimo, Yoshimo to see what would happen. Mm -hmm. And the game's just like, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> oh, but he was an option. Yeah, he was an option. He was in there. I didn't try all of them to like to see what would happen. It's like going tried. to a restaurant and ordering something out for the menu, and then only then do they say, eh, "Actually, we don't, we don't have that anymore." No, it's even worse. It's good, like on the menu, and it says like, uh, you know, like f fresh fish of the day. And you're like, I want that fresh fish, and they're like, uh -huh. "We, this is landlocked. We don't." <laughs> <laughs> like you saw, like the last fish. Uh, you know, we burned it outside. Is my babble. Mm. 
Yeah, it's a real thing. But so I got rid of Imowen because I think she is useless. You think um, that she's that kind that that kind of uh, story arc has run its course? Yeah, and I just don't care about it anymore, honestly. Um, so even if there is more stuff, I I just don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, I took the feedback that that I've received from from several <laughs> people on multiple platforms that maybe I just need more people, more characters in my party that hit hit things, mm. you know, have swords that just do like damage. That. that just do damage. Don't just like fiddle around. In fact, people have called my party quote unquote comically underpowered. <laughs> okay. So it just goes to show you can beat the game any way you With want. With a comically underpowered party. Yeah. Apparently. So, so I, 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 you know, augmented it a little bit. This is my party right now. I got Tickle Bar, Sorcerer. Doing good. Like, mm-hmm. no no complaints. Mm-hmm. Is, is, are you still flinging meteors? Or are you still summoning horrible things? Oh, I'm summoning like six Mordekanian swords every <laughs> combat. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing that. Um, so I've got uh, Tickovar. I've got Mazzy, you mm-hmm. know, uh, fighter. She's got some mm-hmm. paladin abilities, but she's a fighter, halfling fighter. I've got Viconia still. Okay. Got rid of Jahira. Oh. Done with Jahira. I just don't need, I, I really feel like, and, and you know, I'm sure someone will tell me I'm wrong for this, but like, I feel like she is deeply underpowered for what she needs to be doing, which is like hitting people and then self-buffing. Um, mm. I always felt like Viconia could do that a little bit more and could mix it up in with some spells. So, got rid of Jahira, subbed in Saravok, who just hits people with a two-handed sword. You know? Okay. It does what it says on the label. Uh, murder man. And so I kept Nira, the wild mm-hmm. mage. She's doing she's doing great. Um, and then to replace Imowen, I got Valigar. Ooh, who, what what was he exactly? Valigar is a ranger. He might be a ranger mm. fighter, but I think just a ranger. Um, or he's mostly a ranger. And he was the heir to the planar sphere, if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Valigar Corthala. Cor- so yeah, he's a ranger. He just does ranger stuff. He can shoot arrows, but then he can wield. This is the important thing. He can wield celestial fury. Ooh! So, so he's hitting people with that thing, and it's going pretty well. He's got pretty high strength. I've got. You do know, you have anybody that can? But do you, do you have anybody that can wield Carsimir? Uh, nope. Ooh! I think I'm like way beyond the pale of being able to get Carsimir, though. So, did you not get it? It dropped oh. off of a uh, off of a uh, fear crag. I didn't. Did I kill Fear Craig? I might have sold didn't, it. I might have sold. Oh my god! Here, remember one of the dragons I didn't kill. I don't remember which one it was. I think but, it was uh, the Shadow Dragon, though. I think he got Fear oh, that's Craig. True. But mm-hmm. anyway, point being, I mean, I might have it. I might have sold it. I don't know. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> gotcha. That's okay. Not, like chasing the the optimal weapons, which I know would make my time a lot easier and probably is best for optimal play. That's mm-hmm. not really the the concern. It was just mostly that I, I felt like Imowen was really not providing anything most of the time, mm-hmm. and I I know that Valigar can. So, gotcha. I was so, using her to fire arrows like ninety percent of the time. That's your party, Balthazar. Still Balthazar, just mm-hmm. Balthazar. Mm-hmm. We get zapped to a town. Yeah. What's the name of this town? Uh. You've, I've seen you've written here, the town. Yeah, I figured you'd fix it in post here. Uh, I didn't fix it. What the <laughs> name? What the hell's the name of this town? Hold on, let me look it up. It's got an A, in it. 
Throwing a ball. I'll cut all this out. Oh, really? Nah, keep it in. Okay. Keep in like half of it. Okay, I'll keep it in. We, we teleport to this place called Saradush. The implication being that like we get sucked there because that's where all the ball spawn are going. Okay. Right? Yeah. No. There... Is this a refuge? Yes. So, Melissa, as mm-hmm. we appear there, we see this yeah. uh, this person named Melissa. And she, over the course, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of doing some shortcutting here because we find all this out, you know, over the course of, of a little while. Yeah. But basically, she knows that the ball spawn are being hunted for being mm-hmm. ball spawn, right? And sometimes that's for the right reasons, you know, because they're murdering people. Sure. And sometimes it's for the wrong reasons, which would be like Ilasira trying to kill us, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Ball spawn hunting other ball spawn. So her idea is to get all of the ball spawn in Saradush where they can kind of self-govern and do their own thing, and they can be protected by this warlord named Gromnir Ilkhan, who is also a ball spawn. Yes, ball spawn. You can't throw a, a rock in Saradush without hitting a ball spawn. No, because I think basically everyone there is one. Correct. Um, and so the idea is both to create protection and like an enclave. So mm-hmm. they can figure out what the heck is going on. Yeah. Uh, and basically we, we zap in and Gromnir Ilkhan's soldiers attack us because they're suspicious of us. And I have to kill those people. And then that's when Melisan gives us most of this information and basically says, hey, you've got to get to Gromnir because he's leading us to ruin. This town is under siege. We get a short video of some uh, some giants attacking Saradush, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, we, we need better leadership. Gromnir is, is ba- a bad leader. I'm going to get rid of him. Is that basically, did I, am I getting that right? Yeah, so so Yagashura, who is the, mm-hmm. the person who is sieging it, is a ball spawn. He's like a fire giant ball spawn. Mm. And... Melissa thought that Gromnir would be able to protect them, but really what's happened is that Gromnir now believes that any ball spawn is trying to kill him. He's, like, become very paranoid, very reclusive. You know, it's very Riders of Rohan, uh, you know, whatever, the King of Rohan from Lord of yeah. the Rings. That kind worm of Worm tongue. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't know if there is a worm tongue in the scenario, but very similar situation. So, so what we're told, and, like, this is, like, Kind of out of nowhere, it's like, well, we just got to kill Gromnir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the real solution, because he's using, since he's a warlord, he's got an army. And so instead of protecting them from the siege outside, really the army is just oppressing everyone who is inside of the city. Yeah. So we got to disempower the internal oppressive force so that the ball spawn can either escape or defeat Yagashura or XYZ. Mm-hmm. Unclear. Dot, dot, <laughs> dot. Something. Yeah. So we just kind of wander around. like it, Yeah, know, I mean, you like go, well, you have to effect ingress to this palace where Gromnir is, and it's the door's locked, right? Mm-hmm. And looking, uh, looking it up after I did it, there are apparently two ways to get in the palace, although I think Councilman and I stumbled upon the same way, which is kind of through the dungeon prison thing. I mean, I didn't stumble on it. I went to the inn. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was like trying to buy and sell some stuff, and someone there just straight up tells you. Yeah, uh, was it the guy you could just sell? Like you could buy the information. Uh, yeah, I think so. Like that's for... the same person I talked to. So okay. Balthazar like went up to a person and was like, "Yeah, I'm looking to get in," and this person in the end basically told me, "Oh, 
yeah, I'll, I'll for 2,000 gold, I will tell you how to get it. And I said, absolutely, I have unlimited amounts of gold <laughs> and nothing to buy. I have no need for material wealth anymore. And there was like a little subplot there about the the reason he knows about it is that the prison it, it was closed off by like a holy order, like a priestess. And he's been sleeping with the priestess, and that's how he found out the information. Because mm-hmm. you have to go to her to get the key. Yeah, if I'm remembering that correctly. So there's a fun little story. I mean, you know, that's kind of like the the most bare bones narrative for how that functions. But I thought that was a an interesting way of delivering that info to us. That like this dude is just straight garbage, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh, he will reveal his his like sordid affair with a priestess. Uh, exactly, like two thousand gold or whatever. That's how you got to get it. Um, and. So we head to the dungeon, and this is just this is just some real sloggy vampire fights down here. Well, Close we quarter. Mm-hmm. Did you did you meet the celebrity? In oh, the, the there end? is there is a celebrity in the end. Um, the co-author to the liner notes of the Baldur's Gate Two instruction manual. Mm-hmm. I think the Baldur's Gate One instruction manual too. Maybe um, Volo's here. Volo, yeah, Volo Thamp Gettard. Get on, um, get on. Last time we met this person was in a tiny, uh, a tiny, tiny inn in Baldur's Gate 1, right? Yeah, yeah. And he was, you know, just bebopping all around, mm-hmm. doing whatever sages do in the realms. And, and what we get here is interesting because he's like, basically, he's like, yeah, I'm here to write about all these ball spawn. And I'm like, well, how are you going to leave? And he was like, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got plot armor. Volo's, Volo's gone through uh, weirder stuff than this. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm also not 100 percent sure he should be alive at this point, like <laughs> at, in this point in the timeline. Canonically, canonically, but I, I also don't care. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. And like all of this in Baldur's Gate, in the Baldur's Gate franchise, is non-canonical for their Forgotten Realms. Sure, which is a real bummer. But yeah. But then um, we go to, sorry, but we go to mm-hmm. Sloggy Vampire Town. Slog, Slog Central. Uh, what do you, do you, do you want to say anything other than Sloggy in this dungeon? I imagine it's even worse with a party given the, like, the tiny cramped corridors. Yeah, it's, it reminded me a whole lot of the bottom, or not even the bottom, just all of the levels of the Diarnese Keep. Mm-hmm. And you remember back then, I was like, yeah, I just don't think that the AI for this game is good enough to, like, navigate all these corridors and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, felt a very similar way. Like, I would often click, and I would get all six, you know, little circles that would say that, like, oh, you're going here. And then I would have two party members just go in the wrong direction. Mm. Um, and the vampires were very easy to kill. I don't think I had any trouble here. So it was really just, like, fighting against the game more yeah. than it was fighting enemies. Which it, is never uh, good. good. It feeling. happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you go through that dungeon, and then there's, like, a second level with, like, just Umber Hulks in a room. I believe Do you remember you. this? I, yeah. I, I, I'm, oh, yes, because there is a an alarm that triggers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I Yeah, I just triggered the alarm and then fought everything in a corridor, in, like, the opening corridor, which is where I found that random mages in this world, just random... Magic users wandering around now have time stop. Yeah, just there's no there's no chump in the world that can't stop the flow of time. I know, it seems so easy. <laughs> I know I don't know why I can't do it. 
I I mean, have did you just choose not to? I might have chosen uh, perhaps like symbol stun instead of mm. time stop <laughs> on accident when I misclicked uh, the mm-hmm. last time. But um, oh well, yeah. I don't have time stop yet, but I'll get it. I'm sure I'll get it at some point. Stuns like uh, time stop, but just for one enemy. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> the that's the you know the the bright side of life mm-hmm. uh, kind of scenario. But e- but yeah. eventually you get to the palace though. Yes, we get to the palace, and Gromnir is there, and uh, how'd your Gromnir fight go? I'm very curious. Um, It's the same. So, Balthazar, whenever you've got multiple mages, because like we said, they all have time stop, right? Gromnir had two mages uh, flanking him. So, you've got to... You absolutely have to go in already with your super haste up from your high-level abilities... Um, you roll in immediately beeline for one of the mages before Gromnir starts talking. Kill the mage, zone out. Hmm. Quick save, rebuff yourself, and then come back in and kill the other mage. Zone back out, quick save, and then do the fight. So at this point, you're doing a lot of like playing of the game. I've been doing this for a while, if because you, you've been watching my videos. Like I, I yeah. do this junk a lot, but yeah, I mean, this is just kind of like there is a meta game in Baldur's Gate, and I'm just playing a different game than the one quote unquote intended. Well, it seemed the, like for for a while that that was like the optimal way of playing, but would you say that now at this point that is the necessary way of playing? Correct. Yeah, I can't get away with suboptimal. Like there was a mm. lot of times in Baldur's Gate too, especially in the middle way where I, in the middle part where I got max level and the game was just not ready for that, mm. where I could just like basically turn on the AI and let Balthazar go. Mm-hmm. Right um, now, it does require that kind of optimal play. Like I've, I've got to be pretty diligent. I can't play this game drunk anymore. <laughs> 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 that's that's how you know it's a a, a real tactical experience that's, that's how, how you, you know, know you're in the throne of ball and that's that's why my first impression of this game was just so negative because i tried to do it after uh, after like my evening wine and i was like mm. <laughs> danny frustrated <laughs> so you want to say a little bit about that before we get in like the the back half of the story part of this chapter no not really it was just like i was a little i was a little frustrated with um with kind of like how slow it was going. Mm-hmm. But I just, I had to re- recalibrate my expectations for like how I'm supposed to do encounters. And also kind of recalibrate what encounters are actually necessary, right? Yeah. Because yeah. there are a lot of, there are just a lot of trash mobs, right? Yeah, that you could just run by. Exactly. I mean, you're kind of golden pathing the game at this point, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and it seems like a lot of things, like it's kind of hard to to do crowd control on Balthazar, so you might be able to just run through a whole lot of it. Oh, 100%. And so when Balthazar's berserked, and when he has super haste on with the paws of the cheetah as his... Like, Balthazar covers <laughs> covers ground like nobody else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where, and I think we'll get into this later, to the point where it basically can sometimes break the scripting of this game. Like, Balthazar getting places he should not be in a certain amount of time. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, so we kill Gromnir. Like, I kill yeah. Gromnir, too. Not not very difficult. And uh, Melissan shows up, and she's like, oh, we've done this. It was a necessary evil, blah, blah, blah. Just what every good person has ever said in the history of time after they've done something horrible. Mm-hmm. And um, 
she explains kind of like what's up with the this fire giant and the fire giant army that is sieging uh, this the Saradush. Good old Yagashura. Yagashura, and says that the what makes Yagashura so deadly as a ball spawn is that Yagashura is invincible to damage. I'm really helpful. Yeah, that's that's gonna help you out every time. And that, uh, so we find out two things about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, Yagashura was raised in what's a place called the Forest of Mir. Mm. And somewhere in the Forest of Mir, uh, in a glade, I think even is, is what we're told, that's where Yagashura like unlocked his power. And also... L- l- real level up moment in the glade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that went from being a uh, like beginning <laughs> adventure to a heroic level adventure, mm-hmm. and so that's number thing number one. Thing number two is that Yagashura has a temple in uh, in the mountains that yeah. like his that the, his followers who have then gone on to construct this army or be the the uh, fighters in this army that they built to him and that we could go there and find out more about Yagashur and see what's up. So we, so we, you know, kind of open up the regional map here and we get the option of going either to the forest of Mir or to, uh, the temple. And as far as I can tell, it doesn't really matter which one you go to first because it's one, there's one narrative here, right? Exactly. Uh, I went to the forest first though. Yeah, I did too. Cause it was closer. Exactly. Um, which pretty small area. These are very reminiscent of Siege of Dragon Spear areas. This is not a sprawling field with a thing in it. It's it like all of the highlights are right here. Right? I feel like Siege of Dragon Spear might even be longer than Throne of Ball. Mm-hmm. Like to have more stuff in it already. Yeah. Like I, it, I, or maybe they're exactly the same. But anyway, but yeah, it, very very similar setup, similar region map even. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's the deal with Gorion being in the Forest of Mir? So the Forest of Mir, we go in there and we like walk towards this temple and Gorion is there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I tried to turn you into a force for good. He actually says that. I have that written down. And he says like all this other stuff. He's just like, you know, you should be dead. Uh, I should have killed you in the womb because you're a ball spawn and you're bad. And now you've got all these powers, blah, blah, blah. He's just real mean. Mm. And then... Viconia's brother shows up. Whoa! And, and we've talked a little bit about Viconia before, and that that her narrative is very similar to Drizzt Doerden, um, and that when her house was being destroyed, she's a Devere. We know what happens to the Devere household if we read the Drizzt Doerden novels. But uh, as her house, her Drow household was being destroyed, her brother kind of stood in the way of of uh, her. Uh, uh, of the matron mother kind of her family to keep them from killing her and so she was able to run away so he took like a turn for the good that allowed her to escape the underdark so his her brother is there and her brother's like you let me die like we were supposed to escape together and you let me die here and you're bad and she she has a bad time I guarantee you if you had Jahira in your party Khalid would have been there oh I bet so too yeah because hmm. obviously I didn't get Viconia's brother, right? I yeah. only got Garion. Yeah, Khalid um, would definitely have to be there. Yeah. Well, I wonder, are there any other tragic uh, deaths in anybody's 
Hmm. I don't know enough about all the NPCs in the game to really know. I mean, Valigar didn't oh. summon one up, so. Valigar didn't, but what about the uh, the woman that we liberated her stronghold, the fighter stronghold? Because mm, her family died? Her she dad there. did. Her dad did, right? She yeah. was heir to the throne after he died. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because her stepmother didn't die. Exactly. Right? She was just mm-hmm. very weird. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a cool little narrative opportunity. I, I think that... I think there are cool, like, there's a very strong through line of narrative in Throne of Ball that yeah. I think really works in some places, like in this this spot, right? And really does not work in other places, uh, which yeah. I, I'll talk about in just a second. But, but yeah, anyway, so we find out that this is like a shade, uh, like a bean with a bunch of, like, shadow beans, and they're, like, feeding off of our negative emotions, and so mm. they, you know, they would be doing bad stuff to make us more afraid and things like that. Just the the, the slime in Ghostbusters too. It's exactly the same as that. Mm-hmm. That reference I totally know immediately and understand. But anyway, uh, so I kill that thing. Yeah. <laughs> and after you kill that, and a very well crafted, well curated like encounter between you and Ni- and like this witch. Yeah. Um, you meet Nile. Mm-hmm. The Witch of the Glade, a cleric the of, of the all. And mother of Yagashura. Yeah, like adopted mother, I believe. It has to be, right? Yeah, it doesn't make sense it, genetically it otherwise. She is a fire giant. She is not a fire giant. So. No. Um, but yeah, and so she explains it this way. Or do you want to tell it? you want to tell the story? You, I want to hear your, your take on this because I've got a question. Okay, so this is, this is how I understand it. Nihali was a cleric of Baal. She, through her eldritch dealings with Ball or whatever, found out that you can you can take someone's heart from their body, mm-hmm. and you can hide it. And, you know, this is very folk tale, uh, you know, European fairy tale kind of thing. Right? Yeah, you hide the you hide the heart away, and then you uh, then you're immune to damage unless someone destroys the heart. Mm-hmm. So Nile did that for herself, and she did that for Yagashura. Yeah. When he was like a child, I guess, or mm-hmm. when he became an adult. Unclear. What's your question? My question is, her immediate motivation for giving you this information is because she wants back at Yagashura, right? Yes. What did he do to make Nihili so upset at him? So Nihili, um was going to use him as a vehicle for revenge. She was like building a super weapon, basically. Mm. And he didn't like that. So instead of um, like being used to, he did what she was going to do to him. He steals her heart and hides it away, making her him infinitely powerful over her and her powerless toward him. And then she's pissed off about that. Okay, that's it. All right. Well, this 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 is going to become more relevant in a little bit when we talk about kind of the resolution of this. But <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And there's a after, line of dialogue that's about the resolution that's very funny. Yeah. But, so yeah. after this, you can head on to the Yagashura, like Yagashura's home base, and it is it is this like combination of very like a ton of hit point enemies because these fire giants just have a lot of hit points. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of fire-related encounters, and one of these things where, oh, you can only go in certain rooms, you, you do things in those rooms to unlock other rooms, 
And then you do things in those rooms to unlock the final room. And after you unlock everything, you click a thing to go into the next room. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do all of those things. Yeah. It's a real slog. And, like, I I don't kill anything in the first room. I wish I could have done Like, I just had too (laughs) many party members, right? I mean, I guess you could have, like, what? who's your fastest person? You could have just gotten the fastest person and, like, click the things, right? I mean, they get, they will, they get like, either CC'd or, like, mm. shot with arrows and fireballs. They don't have Berserk. Things. They don't have Barbarian Rage. They're, I think Saravok, Saravok does have his heroic ability. I think I took, like, Whirlwind, mm. something like that. I took one of them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you get through, and then in the final room, it's just a bunch of fire giants. It's kind of like the throne room. Right, mm-hmm. uh, but Yagashura is not in, and I, I roll around in there, and there's just a slave there, which automatically Balthazar's like getting angry that somebody owns this slave. Yeah, right. You don't want that. It's the um, worst thing you can do. Do you remember this, like the the species of this slave? I think it's like a human. Yeah. I Are we sure? It's like a humanoid. It's not a fire it's humanoid. Giant. Yeah, it's not a fire giant. They're they're my size, but um. They basically fill me in to the same information as uh, as Nihily. They they tell me where to find the heart. So I've got to kill like a bunch of fire giants, and I find two hearts. Like mm-hmm. I find Yagashura's heart, and I find Nihily's heart. Mm-hmm. Nihily's heart is underneath Yagashura's bed. Yeah, yeah. It's some real environmental storytelling here. Mm-hmm. And I head back to the forest of Mir. To, you know, talk to Nile to mm-hmm. sort this stuff out. Mm-hmm. And Nile has a very interesting change of heart here. Yes. Yeah. Did you pick up why that happened? There is a line of dialogue that is meant to justify it. Is it just like a sense that Yagashura was her ward? She raised him like a child, and she has all of this, like, all of a sudden affinity for him when she didn't before? Well, when she gets her heart back, her physical heart, she literally gets all of her emotional capacity back. Oh, so okay, that makes okay. That was about to ask you about a particular line of dialogue where she where she talks about feeling. Yes, right? exactly. So she was like dispassionate and cold and calculating before, but now that she's got the heart back in, she's thinking, "Oh no, my child! You know, I'm selling out my kid here." Mm-hmm. Um, and then she attacks you. Yeah, and I killed her. That does not work out for her. No, it does. Like, not even a little bit. And now we come to a very interesting part of the game. Mm-hmm. Because when you fast travel to the front line, or, like, whatever it's called, right? Mm-hmm. The siege itself. The siege. You find out from uh, Yagashura himself that he's killed everyone in the town. I he think- has raised mm-hmm. the town. I don't know if that happened in my game. Interesting. I don't know. We, we, we will confer at the beginning of the next episode about this. Mm-hmm. But yes, he, he has broken the wall. Like that is, he is in the town. Yeah. Killing and people. basically, he told me, I went there to kill you specifically, but you weren't there. <laughs> so because you weren't there, I just killed everyone. A real gift of the Magi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... The script of the way this fight is supposed to work goes as follows. You got to cross a bridge. There's some, like, people fleeing. They get attacked, right? You cross the bridge. There's Yagashura with a group of people. There are a few mages. There's some fire giants, right? Mm -hmm. 
um, you hit him and you deal damage to him. If you tried to attack him before this point, like if you, because you could fast travel here, you know, before the Forest of Mir. If you tried to do that, he had this invincibility shield around him that looked like green flame or something, right? Hmm. Didn't couldn't couldn't attack him. But once you deal damage to him, like thirty seconds or like maybe even less, ten seconds go by, and then he has a dialogue. Uh, like the dialogue opens up, time freezes, and he says, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no, I've, what I've are been you doing. I've been harmed. Mm-hmm. No, it's not supposed to. It's not supposed to happen this way." Are you saying he's being owned? He is, <laughs> oh, no, I am not being owned, is mm-hmm. what he says. Yeah. And he disappears. He despawns, right? Yeah, which is the, not to interrupt the flow of the story, but the worst thing. It very, it takes you out of it, it's doesn't it? It's too cheap, right? Like, it's like, don't, like, it's just awful, right? The thing of, like, I, because I, similar to you, I, like, because when you get in there, there are lots of enemies spawning around you, too. Yes. And so, like, I crossed that bridge, and I was like, that's Yagashira. I've got to, like, you know, I've got to, like... Burn, burn this thing down. Exactly. I've got to burn him down as soon as possible. And so I, like, get up on him completely, and I'm, ha- you know, hammering on him with all my uh, abilities. I'm blowing my best spells, all this <laughs> stuff. And then he just de- despawns. And, like, basically I have to reload, right, because of mm-hmm. how committed I am to the middle of the map here. But anyway, no sorry, so he despawns for you. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you how it's supposed to work. Okay. He despawns, another group spawns, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to kind of fend off that other group. And then, X amount of seconds later, like a pretty long time, like 30 seconds or something, he will respawn and and a third group will spawn in with him. So there are three groups of enemies, original around him, the group that spawns when he despawns, and then the group that comes with him when he finally spawns back. Yeah. Right? And he kind of spawns in the opening of the map, kind of like where you came in. And also there are, like, spawning enemies around the edges of the map the whole time. The whole time. It's a continuous stream. Yeah. So then you would fight him the final time. I think he's still missing some of the health that you took off. And when you kill him, that's kind of the end. The game pauses, and you, you, we go to the next section. There's kind of like a, some story parts to it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the first time I did this, I fight him, and I'm fighting him, and he despawns. And Balthazar's very, very quick. So Balthazar's like, ooh, did some, Did he like teleport away? Did he gate, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't see the text, but I'll roll around the map a little bit. So I roll around the map. He's not there. And I'm like, this is weird. And I leave the area. And I go to the forest of Mir. And I quick save. And then he spawns in the forest of Mir. Huh. Right? Really? And he gives the dialogue of like, oh, I'm definitely going to kill you now. Right? <laughs> then I'm like, okay, this is fine. Right? You've spawned in with your little group of, of churlish fellows this is easy for Mm -hmm. me to kill you now Mm -hmm. you don't have like the continuously spawning people on the front so i start attacking him i get his health down and he gets to one pip and i continue to deal damage to him but he just has plot immunity it is not the same kind of immunity that he had before his shield went down Mm -hmm. that kind of immunity would have said you are unable to damage him right yeah this is a special, weird kind of immunity. 
and I think that like the (laughs) the next script or like the script won't trigger unless it's like final hit point loss plus like and it has to be in that location or like plus like a map flag right sure yeah you know uh is on map is in phase two or whatever Exactly. So I think that, so it seems like there's just something that's not triggered and I'm like, okay, I will, I'll just reload. But like I said, the way Balthazar has to do these fights is he zones out, quick saves, zones back in. And I do that constantly. I did that three times before I got to Yagashura, right? Mm -hmm. So I look, there are no saves. There are no saves before I turn in the final heart, right? And like do this. Oh God. So I open up console commands. I edit the .lua file, right? <laughs> and I give myself console commands, and I go to uh, Yagashura, in, who's still in the Forest of Mir. I don't have a save where he's not in the Forest of Mir. Mm-hmm. And, I, um, and I do the kill command, and I do like 99,000 damage to him, still does not die. The kill command in this game does not actually kill a thing. It just does damage. Yeah. So, like, a plot immunity flag is not overridden. Dang. Right? Then I use console commands to, like, reset his invincibility shield. Because, mm-hmm. like, I was looking online and apparently somebody had a problem with this. And they were like, oh, just, like, reset the part where you, like, trigger his immunity. So I reset the part where he triggers. I trigger his immunity. And then I lower his immunity again, right? Mm-hmm. Basically recreating turning in the heart again. Mm-hmm. I then go to where he is in the forest of Mir because he does not reappear in the siege camp. He's still in the forest of Mir. And I have the beginning dialogue of him in the forest of Mir, right? And I attack him once and he's like, oh my gosh, uh, you have, you've attacked me. I can't believe this. And he despawns, never spawns back. <laughs> He runs off into the wilderness. He runs off into the wilderness. He's never seen again. I love right? the idea that he, that <laughs> when you left the siege, he followed you for like eight <laughs> hours to get to the yes. Forest of Mirror. Like, it's very far away. Yeah. I mean, and ultimately, that's where the game breaks, right? Because yeah. none of Yagashiro works once you leave. Yeah. Right? All you got to do to, like, fix this is, like, don't allow somebody to leave while he's despawned. Mm-hmm. Or just respawn him in the zone all the time. But I digress. Mm-hmm. So I have to do this entire chapter over. <laughs> all right, Beam Dog. That's our bug report. That's our one-hour-long bug report. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do it again. And on the second time, I... Uh, I think I may have died at the same time Yagashura's, like, post-death plot thing happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was just, instead of being teleported back to hell, which we're about to get to, uh, the screen just, like, it doesn't freeze because there's still, like, an NPC on, on, the, on the screen that's just kind of, like, chilling out. Mm-hmm. But nothing happens. Like, I can't access any menu. I'm just, like, frozen there. Weird. Yeah. Well, that didn't happen for me. I just killed him. You just killed him. Yeah. Was it fun? It was fine. I Yeah, I don't, like I was saying about the kind of long-form narrative stuff, like this is, you know, the childhood of Achilles, right? Same idea. Yes. Like a, a, a mother hides away this, like, prophesied child in the forest, 
and then uses some magic stuff in order to make him invincible. And that thing that makes him invincible ultimately ends up being his downfall because you can reverse engineer it, right? Yes. Um, and I think that is fine, uh, but it doesn't feel very inventive. Like, it doesn't feel remixed enough. Uh, in mm-hmm. the way that other things that are clearly borrowing from myth and other stories and things like that are in Baldur's Gate. It just feels like a reference uh, to me. It doesn't really feel like a Forgotten Realms story. And maybe if I it got had you. A little bit... You were saying that you didn't, like, the Greek tone of things didn't really mesh with you? Yeah, I feel like Greek mythology just doesn't work in the Forgotten Realms. Like, like mm. that type of story. Um, and I think that's because Greek mythology, like the, the, the myths themselves are very linear. Like they share characters with other, other myths, but like the stories of Hercules are about Hercules and he like goes to Crete or whatever. Right. Or the, mm-hmm. the, uh, what's the bull, the Minoan bull. Um, anyway, point being like he does all of those things. Right. And you might recognize those locations or you might recognize Zeus or Hera or any of these other figures but they this is not a systemic world right it's just a world greek mythology way less filled out than the forgotten realm exactly and so (laughs) so when you import that style of storytelling i think to a very structured and structural political intrigue tightly knit networked world of forgotten realms i feel like it just like doesn't make a lot of sense like how the hell did yagashira build a temple in the woods and how did this one uh, you know, cleric of ball get away with doing this when we clearly know that there's a vast network of ball spawn and people who know about ball spawn, right? Like, yeah, um, this plays a little bit fast and loose with a pretty tight storytelling that we've seen in the massive like 60 hour game we just finished. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, I didn't much. I like, I like it for what it is. I wish it were maybe a little bit bigger. I gotcha. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm with you, and then after we kill Yagashura, what's the order? Do we get zapped back to hell, or do we, I think we get zapped back to hell first, and then we talk to uh, Melisande? Mm, I don't remember. I think this is where I stopped. I think we talked to Melisande <laughs> first, and she's like, oh, there's other stuff to do, and then I saved. Ah, okay. So this is as far as I've made it. So we'll open up with getting zapped back to hell. I have episode. to say, my initial impression of this game, and this is why I'm actually very glad, even though it's the first episode we missed, I'm very glad we missed that episode, because I think if we recorded then, I would have been way more down on it because of, like, freshly experiencing that bug, mm-hmm. which you bugs were, happen. You whatever. were real mad. I was real mad. Um, playing it a second time and playing the chapter that comes after this mm-hmm. has made me much more excited about Throne of Ball. Um, I think that there's some really cool stuff happening. And I think one of the best boss fights I've ever fought is uh, the final boss of next episode. Hmm, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, that's uh, this episode. Um, all those other things we always say, you can you should hit the like button if you didn't already do that at the beginning of the episode. You should subscribe to us here if you haven't done that. And you can follow us on Facebook down there in the description below. You can see some memes People love memes. People love memes. You should uh, get on our Discord, generate memes with us. Yeah, yeah, we generate the memes there, and mm-hmm. then we bring them to the world. So you can come do that. You can, and also, if you like the show, you should support us on Patreon. Exactly. Give us some money, and we'll give you more podcasts and a newsletter and some other stuff, probably. More podcasts, and uh, and we're just so thankful. We're so happy to be uh, to have such a vibrant community. Mm-hmm. We are. Yeah.
Okay. Well. But anyway, that was episode 38. Episode 39 is is next, and we'll be doing, I think, the front half of the next chapter. Yeah, we're going yeah. yeah, to split the next chapter in half. Mm-hmm. One and one. Okay. Well, goodbye. All right. Ciao. So safe, Londo. No.